Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. In the charming sitcom Primo, Rafa is a typical 16-year-old kid with typical 16-year-old hang-ups. Luckily, he's got a supportive family to help keep him grounded. His enterprising mom, as well as five very colorful uncles. The show was created by journalist and podcaster Shay Serrano and is loosely based on his childhood growing up in San Antonio, Texas. Mike Schur also serves as an executive producer. He's the mind behind The Good Place and Parks and Recreation. So unsurprisingly, there's no shortage of pop culture references, silly situations, and a heartfelt moment or two. I'm Aisha Harris, and today we're talking about Primo on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. That's 3% on products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This message comes from NPR sponsor Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Caitlin, a teen reeling from her parents' divorce, steals a valuable bird in order to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner that leads her to a new outlook on life. Don't miss Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus, rated PG-13. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. If you're looking for a new way to support this show and public media, please consider signing up for the NPR Plus podcast bundle. NPR Plus listeners get to unlock sponsor-free listening and bonus episodes from NPR shows like this one. You can find out more at plus.npr.org. Joining me today are the co-hosts of NPR Music's Alt Latino, Ana Maria Sayer and Felix Contreras. Welcome to you both. Hey, Aisha. Hey, thanks for having us. Yes, it's so great to have you here and to chat about this show in particular. Uh, so Primo stars Ignacio Diaz Silverio as Rafa, a 16-year-old growing up in San Antonio, Texas. Cristina Vidal plays Drea, his savvy and mostly chill mom who manages a grocery store. Now, Drea has five brothers with very dominant personalities. Johnny Ray Diaz plays Roly, Rafa's uncle who always finds himself in trouble with the law. Henry Esteve plays Uncle Mike, a military man. Carlos Santos is Ryan, the uptight uncle who works at a bank. Efren Villa is Mondo, the woo-woo hippie uncle. And then there's Jonathan Medina as Jay, the uncle with a landscaping business. When they're not bickering with each other and getting caught up in zany schemes, all the uncles help Drea raise Rafa, a.k.a. Primo, and provide guidance in school, work, and his huge crush on his classmate Maya. She's played by Stakaya Washington. The show is created by journalist Jay Serrano, who's written for publications like The Ringer and is the author of The Rap Yearbook. He executive produced alongside Mike Schur, who previously created Parks and Rec and The Good Place. Primo is streaming on Amazon Freebie starting tomorrow, and we should note Amazon supports NPR and pays to distribute some of our content. So, Felix, I'm going to start with you. What are your initial reactions to Primo? Okay, 
I liked it. Okay. <laughs> For a lot of reasons. All right. Okay. Okay. I knew you would like it, Felix. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell. There's a lot of reasons to like it. So here's the deal. I'm of an age where sitcoms ruled. I grew up when there were just three networks. So sitcoms were the thing. So this is a very, very, it falls into that category of sitcom. Mm. There's all these kind of different situations, and there's a lot of comedic relief. There's an undertone of some serious stuff. It's like comfort food to me. The other thing I liked about it is the representation, right? This is a Latino family in San Antonio. But what I really admired about it, it's a Latino family, but it's not a Latino family. Mm. They're not waving their Latino flag. These are just Latino families living and doing things that Latino families do without having to, you know, draw on or rely on the ethnicity. They're just living everyday stuff that happens to be particular to Latino communities all over the Southwest or all over the country, but in this case, Mexican-American and Southwest. So I dug that. Like, it's Latino, but not Latino at the same time. Mm. Personal for me, there were a lot of levels, right? The undertow of this, of Rafa or Primo going to college. I'm the first one in my family to go to college. I remember bringing home those papers, looking at, okay, what are we going to do? My parents were like, well, we don't know anything about college. You know, let's just figure this out. The family dynamic of what's going on, that's very, very familiar to me of what's happening in Latino families. And I'm one of four brothers, mm. okay? So <laughs> the, there are five in the, in the show. And those, the way they get along is very similar to how my brothers and I get along. <laughs> so there, were, there was a lot for me to dig in this, in this show. I, there's a lot. Yeah. And I think also just the fact that it's set in suburban Texas, it's we don't often get to see that kind of uh, dynamic or that kind of environment in any TV show. It's often, you know, urban settings or not in the South. So I find that really interesting to dig into as well. Like it felt different in that way as well to me. Uh, Ana Maria. Uh, <laughs> I've gotten the sense from talking to you before this. Uh, you had a slightly different perspective. What did you think of this? I mean, listen, I completely hear everything that Felix is saying. I think the second I saw it, I was like, this is down Felix's line of humor. Like, he is going to so go for this. So there is definitely absolutely an audience for this. And and there were pieces of it, I think, that that you're right, Felix. I mean, I'm pretty wary with shows like this around like, are we going to be waving the Latino flag, like you said, you know, because I, I've seen that a lot. Like, we don't get a ton of TV shows. We don't get a ton of comedies that are like full Latino cast, Latino creator. And a lot of times I think there's a necessity to do that, right? Because it's like, well, we have the opportunity to represent. So let's represent. Mm, right. Initially in the first episode in my notes, I was kind of like, oh, it's feeling very like we're leaning into the stereotypes, like the single mom, dad's not around, who's a hustler, like all the brothers being the brothers. But I do think over the course of the season, you really do get to see each of the brothers come into their characters a bit more that do, like Felix said, feel feel Latino, but not Latino. Like there are parts of them that are and there are parts of them that aren't. Um, and I think you can hear that too in just the way that they all have kind of like varied accents of how they say things and varied like levels of like pronouncing Spanish with certain words, which I think anyone who grew up in a Latino family knows like there is variability in terms of like people's levels of language or what their accents end up turning out like. So that felt really authentic to me. On the flip side, I don't know. I think that some of the the humor just fell a little flat for me. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being honest. And 
And I wanted, I really wanted to find it as funny as they wanted me to find it. But I just think that that a lot of the jokes just did not quite hit as hard for me as I would have wanted them to. But there were definitely some some heartwarming moments. Yeah, yeah. I think I fall kind of in between both of you. <laughs> Good. We don't usually have a tiebreaker. So. <laughs> well, you know, like I... <laughs> It's funny because like you, Anna, Maria, like I feel sometimes the humor, I think I've kind of moved past this sort of the typical, even though this is on Amazon Freebie, this feels like it could have been on ABC or, you know, NBC, the show, even when there's curse, like sometimes a character will curse, but they bleep it out. You know, Um, there's a moment where uh, one of the brothers sculpts like these phallic pieces and those are blurred out (laughs) (laughs) and actually that's kind of like a funny touch I liked that touch so yeah some of it is kind of broad and um but I'm always here for the pop culture references and I think that after the first few episodes I was finally able to some extent to distinguish between the uncles I mean they each have their thing in that very kind of like broad sitcom way it's like i couldn't remember any of their names i was like okay so that's the the jail uncle this is the hippie uncle this is the military uncle over time i do think if you stick with the show after the first three or four episodes and this is only like a 20 25 minute show so it's an easy lift but it does take a little time to find its groove i can see how it might not be for everyone but i can also see how like you felix like it does feel different enough and thoughtful enough in the way it portrays these characters that like, I think it's worth kind of sticking it out, even if at the first couple episodes, it's not maybe not quite your thing. Um, I especially love, as soon as I saw Drea, Christina Vidal's character, I was like, where do I know her from? And I was like, holy, she's from Taina. And I don't know, Anna Marie, if you remember that show. Oh, yes. Taina no, yeah. from Nickelodeon. Oh, my God. Yes, this is a late 90s, early 2000s, maybe show sitcom. I remember her from Taina. I was like, I have not thought about the show in forever, but she played Taina, the lead character. Um, so it was really fun to kind of see her now playing a playing a mom. That's so wild. <laughs> um, but I think one of the things I liked is that her character especially is very interesting to me because she's not sort of this what I would often expect from this type of show regardless of the ethnic background of like the sort of overbearing mother who's really hard and like is Mm. always constantly battling with her son she's very enterprising she like there's a funny sort of joke where she's talking about how she was able to afford something (laughs) and it goes through the steps like all the steps she takes which is like a lot of networking like using her network to the best of her ability and bartering and all these other things so Food for Sammy, bus passes for Gloria, foot medicine for Carlos, and he has a booth at the flea market where he sells clothes, and he gave me the coat for free. So if Carlos didn't have some gross foot fungus, I wouldn't have this new coat. One man's rash is another man's treasure. I like those little touches, but I'm curious what you think about the star of this show, uh, the primo himself, Rafa. How does that work for you? It's it's, because it's very clearly kind of built from a mold of many shows before. I kept thinking about Everybody Hates Chris because it kind of feels like Mm. similar in tone and also just like this is from the young boy's point of view. But what did you think of his character and how Ignacio Diaz Silverio plays him? I think he was very sweet. I think that the brothers have 
such strongly written characters, right? Where they're like very much supposed to have these personas that I think um, were decided on. And, and Rafa is a little more like choose your own adventure in a way, I think, in the sense that, yes, he's the kid that that wants to go to college maybe and that likes the girl and everything is kind of surrounding him. But I think there was a bit more space for him to really build out and define his own character because there was less of like this prescribed, like you're the this character or that character. So I did appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So I think he did do a good performance uh, alongside the more colorful uncles. Yeah, I think that there could have been a little bit more to him. I thought of at least three other shows, like you said, Everybody Hates Chris, Wonder Years, mm, yeah. Malcolm in the Middle, you know, and this particular character, there wasn't anything that really distinguished him from any of these other. And I think that they could have had a little bit more. Now, all props to, to you know the people in, involved in the show, but I think there could have been a little bit more. But maybe that's the second season if they get a second season, right? Because yeah. he really is, like Anna says, he's overpowered by these wacky uncles, right? Yeah. And then the symbolism and the strong character of, of his mom. Yeah, it definitely, not a spoiler, but it definitely ends in a way that suggests that they hope there will be a second season. And I agree with you. I think he is kind of, I wouldn't say a a blank slate in a way, but he definitely can be overpowered by all of the craziness that's going around him. But I did like his sort of flirtations with Maya, his school crush. Um, I thought they had good chemistry. And they also seemed like, believable teenagers Mm -hmm. the show isn't like stacked with (laughs) what the youths might be saying today which is i don't even know because i'm i'm far past that (laughs) like they feel like real teens who are trying to figure things out i really liked seeing them kind of figure things out together him and maya but speaking of uncles do we have a favorite uncle you know i I was always trying to figure out okay which one am i Mm. compared to my brothers right that's what i was wondering felix where do you fit in? Uh, a little bit of the hippie uh, and a little bit of the uncle with the landscaping business. Okay, Jay. Yeah, Jay and Mondo. The, yeah, yeah, I think the, a, little, a little mix of both, I think, because yeah. I've, I've been working in media since I was 19, right? So I've been working the whole time. The, the, bef- what about you, Anna? <laughs> what were you going to say, Felix? <laughs> no, what I wanted to say is like w- – I really admire and respect the fact that these five uncles are so different because it's a reflection of, and it's something I sort of played around with when I wanted to be a, a screenwriter way back when. I had this vision of a, of a Chicano band and these five different members, and these are the five uncles because they each represent different aspects of being Chicano, mm. right? So mm. there are different ways that, that that culture is interpreted, and this is all within one family. It's a microcosm. It's like you look at the DNA of the Chicano culture, it's those five brothers. Yeah. That's what I really appreciated about this because you can – Put them all together, and those are the people walking around all over the Southwest. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a favorite, I don't know, like the combination of the two, but that was my appreciation of this, the fact that they blew this culture up and presented it in these five guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, like I was saying earlier, like I really loved the level of Chicano-ness too that felt represented. Like my favorite uncle was probably Raleigh. <laughs> like I, I, I... <laughs> Of all of the ones, he did actually make me laugh the most frequently. And I think he also, because he's just your, like, most Chicano Chicano. Like, you see him and you're like, oh, my God. Like, he is, like, the stereotype. But I think that the fact that they were willing to represent, like, a lot of different facets of that 
is what felt to me the most authentic about it in the sense that I know that this is the based on the creator's real life. And I think you can sense that like, yeah, he knew every single one of these characters and that they were all written from somewhere real. And that felt really good to me because I, like I said, I was initially worried about, are we just trying to fill the trope? And, and I think the five brothers is really what makes it feel like we're not, um, which I appreciated. Yeah. There's also just that tension, I think, that exists between a lot of families um, of, like, class variability and, and like, yeah. mm-hmm. there's the, the college-educated ones and then they're the ones who maybe are doing well for themselves but don't have the college degree. And there's that, like, tension that can arise between your family members and, and how that plays out. And I think this show does a pretty good job of sort of showing how – that exists, but it also doesn't overwhelm the relationship. Like all the family members are just like, all right, it's whose turn is it to get Uncle Roley out of jail? Like this, <laughs> it's like, it just kind of rolls off their back. It's like they're living their lives and and kind of accepted each other's differences, even as those things also cause some friction from time to time. Yeah. And that acceptance doesn't always happen in real life, right? No, no. <laughs> so that's, yeah, I really appreciated that. Yeah, absolutely. What you said. Yeah, yeah. My final question for you all is, you know, um, what would you hope to see in a season two should it get a season two? I think that in a sense, kind of what we were talking about, I would love to see Rafa's character develop a bit more. I think also just like the central conflict to me around like, is he going to go to college? The girl, like I would love to see a little more nuance in whatever conflict kind of carries season two. I think that what they chose worked as kind of like a setup type of thing where it was like, okay, this is the idea. It's the five brothers. This is what this feels different about this story. This is just like setting the scene with these characters. But I would love to see something that feels a little more like complex, whether it's because Rafa's character is like doing something unexpected or one of the uncles really starts to stand out as as participating more in a central conflict. I, I think I'd love to see something a little stronger there story-wise. I would like to see, since it is a coming-of-age show, it continue with this light touch it has, right? We're not going to get super, super deep and heavy, but maybe one of his friends, his family gets deported or something. You know what I mean? Like real-life issues from the perspective of a 16-, 17-, 18-year-old, I think it can be a very, very strong launching point to look at these things in ways that we don't see them as adults, we're looking at all this stuff from adults. What do the kids think? And that's very, very rarely ever showed in any of these things like this. And I think that, again, without losing this light touch, we don't want it to be heavy, heavy, heavy. But, you know, One Day at a Time did that too mm. when they had some of the immigration stuff and all that, right? Right, right? You can still be a comedy, but you can still do some of this stuff. That's what I would like to see. I would really like to see it address some of these youth issues, identity, gender identity, all of this stuff. Yeah, to that point... I did find the Uncle Mike character somewhat frustrating, <laughs> um, or at least the way he was integrated into the into the family, because later in the season, he is actually going to, he's a recruiter at Rafa's school. Right. I, I don't necessarily need it to be like, like a conflict per se, right. but I did find it interesting that the show didn't even address that. It is weird to think about recruiting kids for the army. And also there's uh, an Air Force recruiter there as well. And it it just felt strange to me, especially in this climate, <laughs> to be kind of not really interrogating that a little bit more. I, I think that could be an interesting sort of uh, 
conundrum in the next season where they do one if Rafa is somehow seriously considering maybe instead of going to college joining like following in his uncle's footsteps sure. so we'll, mm-hmm. we'll we'll see i would i would be curious to see how that plays out but you're right felix like it's still a very lighthearted show and i don't i don't need it to be like a very special right. episode you know <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i really like what you said there too because you know not that we're offering suggestions, but if we were, I think, hello, producers, can you hear us? I'm like, if they want to invite us into the writers' room, I think that could be a really interesting conflict because I think it also showcases what is often a conflict within like Latino culture generally. Is like you would know someone who you know is a military vet, and that is definitely a part of life, and you want to showcase that, and you want to have that character, and also like recognize that there are a lot of members of the community that are like that and also challenging what that is. And so I think that that could offer an opportunity through a humor lens to be like, this is where our community is at. And these are some of the things that are challenging about it. And also, this is what we're moving towards. And so I think it just could really make things more complex in an interesting way. I also, I mean, I really strongly hope that they get a second season because I want to hang out with those brothers again. They're so much fun. I want to hang out with them. They're just too much fun. Well, there you have it. We we want we want to hear more about those brothers and see more interactions with the uncles. And we want to know what you think about Primo once you've had a chance to check it out. Find us at facebook.com slash PCHH. And that brings us to the end of our show. Ana Maria Sayer, Felix Contreras, thanks so much for being here. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. It was so much fun. Thanks for having us. And we want to take a moment to thank our Pop Culture Happy Hour Plus subscribers. We appreciate you all so much for showing your support of NPR. And if you haven't signed up yet, want to show your support and listen to this show without any sponsor breaks, head over to plus.npr.org slash happy hour or visit the link in our show notes. This episode was produced by Hafsa Fatima and edited by Jessica Reedy. Hello, Come In provides our theme music. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Aisha Harris, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. There's a new way to support this show and public media. Please consider signing up for the NPR Plus podcast bundle. NPR Plus listeners get to unlock sponsor-free shows and bonus episodes. You can find out more at plus.npr.org. And thanks.